Hello, everybody. This is Chris Wright, host of the podcast, Point Counterpoint. I'm back at it again, broadcasting live from KUST University of St. Thomas, campus radio. And I am currently not in the studio right now because we're not doing in-person broadcasting at the moment. So I am recording this from in somewhat isolation, I suppose you could say that. I suppose you're wondering why I started out with the theme to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Well, I have a reason for that because uh, there was some pretty big news that just happened. You want to know what that news is? A mysterious metal monolith was found in the deserts of Utah. It was found by some helicopters doing a routine um, wildlife inspection. And already theories are starting to come around. And uh, I don't know what it is. Most likely it's just some, I don't know, it's, it's weird. I'm going to say it's probably just some guy that thought it'd be funny to put a metal monolith there in 2020. Let's see, I'll, I'll read here. A theory is abound of a mysterious metal monolith found in Utah. Structure compared to monolith featured in 2001, A Space Odyssey, while John McCracken Gallerist says object is not sculptor's work. A giant metal mystery slab has captured the attention of millions of people as people speculate over how such a structure came to be in a remote part of southern Utah. The object was first spotted last week by a helicopter pilot and wildlife officers who were flying over the rugged area to conduct an annual count of bighorn sheep from the state, for the state. It immediately drew comparisons to the monolith featured in 2001 A Space Odyssey, as well as inviting suggestions it could be the work of extraterrestrials. <laughs> The helicopter pilot, Brett Hutchings, had the opportunity to see the big metal slab up close and guessed it was probably the work of an artist in between 10 and 12 feet high, about 3 meters. I'm assuming it it's some new wave artist or something, or, you know, some, somebody that was a big 2001 Space, Time, Space Odyssey fan. Hutchings told local news station KSL-TV, which first reported on the slab. The worker was compared... The work is compared to those of many minimalist sculptures, including artist John McCracken, who died in 2011. His gallerist, uh, David Zwerner, told The Guardian the mystery object was not one of his works. While this is not a work by the late American artist John McCracken, we suspect it is, the work, it is a work by a fellow artist paying homage to McCracken. A David Swerner spokesperson said, One thing that is known is that without authorization, it is illegal to install structures or art on federally managed public lands, according to Utah's Department of Public Safety, DPS. This is true. No matter what planet you're from, the agent said in a statement. <laughs> the agent said uh, it does not plan to reveal, it's, it's, um, to reveal uh, the exact location of the object, it is in a very remote area, and if individuals were to attempt to visit the area, there is a significant possibility uh, they may become stranded and require rescue. T DPS says. 
That did not stop Reddit users from identifying its likely whereabouts as well as discussing theories about the ways the object could have got there and why. In zoomed-in photos of the structure, Reddit users noted there was there were lines by its base which suggested a rock saw had been used to put it in the ground and that it appears to be held together with screws, dispelling the theory it could be one large hunk of metal. The structure also caused controversy uh, to the geography world, which took issue with Utah's government using the word monolith to describe the object. A monolith is technically a geographic feature <laughs> made of stone, which while this slab appears to be made of metal. What do you mean appears to be like? Haven't they looked at it closely? Merriam-Webster's dictionary, however, allows for a looser interpretation of monolith as a massive structure. It is the and it is the word used to describe the structures D director Stanley Kubrick made famous in 2001 of Space Odyssey. I like how the, one of the biggest debates over this is whether we should call it a monolith or not. <laughs> like a, a mysterious metal box appears in Utah and we're like, instead of asking what is it, who put it there, why, we're going, what should we call it? <laughs> Just call it a fucking monolith, okay? Jeez. What is it? I. It's. I'm looking at a low res picture right here, but it appears that there are some spots where it was screwed together. I'm gonna look for a higher res photo. Okay. We only have like one angle for the photo. That's my problem. I want to see some other angles. This is the only photo they have. It's God, that's annoying. They never took any other pictures. Just the photo of it face. I don't know. What's up with that? I don't know why they... Now nah, it looks like there is another photo from the other end. Dang. <laughs> what is that thing? Well, um, you know, you know, Joe, I can tell you exactly what this is. Um, so it's a device that is uh, that uh, that uh, castrates men from a distance of up to 500 miles. And <laughs> No, it's just a minimalist architecture, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, what? What is it? All right, let's look. For, let's go to another site besides the Guardian, because I want to see some ideas on what it is, even if they're completely unfounded. What is the metal monolith in Utah? Let's see. Here's a video, I don't know.
what this is gonna be. Some Stonehenge video. After examining the Hudging said the object didn't look as if it was built with a scientific purpose in mind. I'm assuming it's some new wave artist or something, or you know, something that was a that was someone that was big in 2001: A Space Odyssey. Um, yeah, it looks like most people agree it was just, just a piece of art. <laughs> it's illegal tins. Yeah, I already read that on the other site. Here's the Wikipedia article. <laughs> There's already a Wikipedia article and it was just found today. <laughs> or just announced today. Um. Mm. It's a pretty short Wikipedia. Just wh what I already said. Um. Um. Let's... I I changed my search to include the word conspiracy just to make this real interesting here. I haven't even found much actually. Let's see. Let's go to this site right here. Mysterious metal monolith has been planted on the ground in a remote part of the United States. The object was not even going to say Utah, just a, a remote part of the United States. Like, that's just the description of Utah. <laughs> the object was spotted in Utah by state of... Oh, and here it says. By state officials who were helping to count sheep from a helicopter. Pilot Bert Hutchings told them that that's been about the strangest thing that I've come across out, out there in all my years of flying. Uh, the mysterious metal... Okay, hold on. Okay, hold on. Just cut it in. It's just videos of guys walking around the okay. structure. Who does this kind of stuff? Yeah. We'll be determining if there needs to investigate further. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ah, here in the video you can see around. Oh, I see the structure now. So it's it's really more it's really more of a um, it's not like a like a like a like a prism with six sides. It's a it's actually more of a triangular shape. You know, there's three sides, uh, three vertical sides, and then of course the top and bottom. You can't see the bottom, of course, that's in the ground, but it's more of kind of a Thin like a slice of cake, basically. So it's kind of their interpretation of 2001. <laughs> but yeah, that stuff's always fun to learn about. Always fun. <laughs> yeah, sure. <sighs> So, Thanksgiving is fast approaching. In two days, this is the Thanksgiving episode officially. Gobble, gobble. Yep. And, well, Thanksgiving, assuming that it exists on Thursday, we'll see. I don't, it's, that's debatable. That's real debatable. thing is you can you can cancel activities but you, you can't cancel a holiday for example it was the New York Times that reported outdoor dining in Los Angeles will end for three weeks beginning on Wednesday restaurant owners and chefs scrambled on Monday to cancel Thanksgiving reservations while preparing to once again furlough uh, employees uh, So yeah, real controversial here. Should the businesses um, heed these regulations or should they rebel and keep the reservations and let people eat there? I mean, we've been, we've been doing this for about nine, almost nine months here. About, about like that. It's true, we, we, we did manage to flatten the curve. First, um, there was, there was a second wave, you know. Um, question is, should we just, should we keep going with this? I don't have the answers. I will just present potential answers. Yeah. So, in other news, apparently, um, hold on, where, where is it?
So apparently, uh, in some news, um, the Trump administration is starting to the transition process for Biden, which I wouldn't have expected this early. Just because, like, no, completely, completely fake. I won huge. The the Democrats have been hiding thousands of legitimate votes from me. So we'll we'll see what happens. Not he's not exactly behaving with a with a whole, with a ton of grace here. He's with the he has about the grace of an ostrich. <laughs> or, actually, no ostriches are pretty graceful, sort of. I don't know. Insert animal that's not graceful here. <laughs> I just want to have fun. <laughs> That's all I need. I'm e I'm very easy to please. <laughs> oh, or the, I don't know. If that's true, actually. I do have standards. <laughs> but yeah, um, not. It's not looking real good for. In, in in other cultures, like in like in Korean, uh, like the Korean language, they have like differentiations for speaking like a like a elder or a youth. And if you're speaking in the way that an elder would talk to someone of a younger age, uh, it, that shows that um, some respect needs to be paid paid to that elder. Um, because you know, there's an assumed amount of wisdom that's been gained after a certain number of years on this spinning ball in space. This ball, this rock that we live on that spins thousands and thousands of miles an hour around a ball of fire, go hurling around a giant black hole that will destroy anything that comes too close. And yet we need this ball of fire, and we need to stay warm, and we need this black hole to keep us together with all the other balls of fire. But anyway, the Koreans, <laughs> a certain amount of respect is paid to these elders. And it's hard for us to do that when so much, many of our elders aren't behaving in a way worthy of this respect. So like you're supposed to be able to just you know accept your failures you know you know guys lost his election new guy take it away. Don't say it's like nope fake I really won. Like come on just be be a good loser okay be a good loser. And I would say this, whoever won. It's not about that. Uh, it's not about who won. Like when, when Trump won 2016, it's like, okay, well, you won. Hillary Clinton, you lost. That's the way it is. This time, Joe Biden won. Trump lost. 
That's how it is. I don't see sufficient evidence that there was mass voter fraud. Even if there was some, I don't think it was enough to change anything. Like, in order for Donald Trump to win, he would need to overturn several of these states that I don't think he can do. He just can't. Nope. He just, was, he just didn't win enough votes to do that, okay? <laughs> It's going to be an interesting four years. Jeez. Jeez Louise. Oh, uh, is there anything else I want to say about that before I move on to the next topic? Um... I don't believe so. Next topic, I have a poem that I want to read as I like to do. Uh, I have it down here. Here. This is a poem by, I've read them before, uh, Jorge Luis Borges. Uh, this poem, I'll read it in Spanish and English. I, I made my own translation. Um, it's called Instantes, in instance instant plural okay not like not like a single instance plural instance si pudiera vivir nuevamente mi vida en la próxima trataría de cometer más errores no intentaría ser tan perfecto me relajaría más sería más tonto y de lo que he sido de hecho tomaría más muy pocas cosas con seriedad Sería menos higiénico, correría más riesgos, haría más viajes, contemplaría más atardeceres, subiría más montañas, nadaría más ríos, iría a más lugares a donde nunca he ido, comería más helados y menos habas, tendría más problemas reales y menos imaginarios. Yo fui una de esas personas que vivió sensada y prolíficamente cada minuto de su vida. Claro que tuve momentos de alegría, pero si pudiera volver atrás trataría de tener solamente buenos momentos por si no lo saben de eso está hecha la vida. Solo de, de momentos no te pierdes Das el hora ahora. Yo era uno de esos que nunca iban a ninguna parte sin termómetro, una bolsa de agua caliente, un paraguas y un paracaídas. Si pudiera volver a vivir, viajaría más liviano. Si pudiera volver a vivir, comenzaría a andar descalzo a principios de la primavera y seguiría. Así, hasta concluir el otoño, daría más vueltos en carecía y contemplaría más amaneceres y jugaría con más niños. Si tuviera otra vez la vida por delante, pero ya tengo uh, 85 años y sé que me estoy muriendo. So en inglés. 
that translates to if I could live my life again in the next I would try to make more mistakes I wouldn't try to be so perfect I would relax more I would be more silly on what I've, done, I've been in fact I would take th less things seriously I'd be less hygienic I would take more risks take more trips contemplate more evenings climb more mountains swim more rivers I would go to more places where I haven't ever gone I would eat more ice cream and less lentils I would have more real problems and less ima imaginary ones. I was one of those people that lived sensibly and prolifically each mi minute of his life. Of course, I had moments of happiness, but if I could go back, I would try to have one only good moments. In case you didn't know, that's what life is made of. Only of the moments. Don't lose the, the now. I was one of those people that never went anywhere without a thermometer, a bag of hot water, an umbrella, and a parachute. If I could live again, I would travel more frivolously. If I could live again, would start out uh, walking barefoot from the spring and would keep doing so until the fall ended. I would go for a walk on a carousel, would contemplate more da more dons, and I would play with more kids if I had life in front of me again. But I'm already 85, and I know I'm dying. It's an interesting perspective. He's just a brilliant writer, that man. He knew he knew how to write. Just a beautifully written piece of prose, whether it's this poem here. Or is it one of his short stories? I've talked about Pierre Menard. I've talked about uh, El Rigor de la Ciencia and the Exactitude of Science. I've, I haven't talked about the Library of Babel, La Biblioteca de Babel. I'm, maybe, maybe that's for a future episode. I'll talk about that, but. What an interesting character. I'll just read a little bit about him, him personally. Oh, uh, he's, or his essay, uh, so, Soy Judio, I, a Jew. Um, but he was an Argentinian uh, short story writer, essayist, poet, and translator, and a key figure in Spanish language and universal literature. His best-known books, Ficciones, Fictions, in El Aleph, The Aleph, uh, published in the 1940s, are compilations of short stories interconnected by common themes, including dreams, labyrinths, philosophers, libraries, mirrors, fictional writings, and writers, and mythology. Borges's work works have contributed to philosophical literature and the fantasy genre and have been considered by some critics to mark the beginnings of the magic realist moving to the 20th century of Latin American literature. His late poems converse with such cultural figures as Spinoza, Camoes, and Virgil. Uh, born in Buenos Aires, Borges uh, later moved with his family to Switzerland in 1914, where he studied at the College of Geneva, 
The family traveled widely in Europe, including Spain. On the return to Argentina in 1921, Borges began publishing his poems and essays in surrealist literary journals. He also worked as a librarian and public lecturer in 1955. He was appointed a director of the National Public Library and professor of English literature at the, at the University of Buenos Aires. He became completely blind at the age of 55. Scholars have suggested that his progressive blindness helped him to create innovative literary symbols through imagination. By the 1960s, his work was translated and published widely in the United States and Europe. Borges himself was fluent in several languages. In 1961, he came to international attention when he received the first form enterprise, which he shared with Samuel Beckett. In, in 1971, he won the Jerusalem Prize. His international reputation was consolidated in the 1960s, aided by his works by his works being available in English by the Latin American boom, by Latin American uh, Switzerland, uh, by the Latin American boom and the success of Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude. He dedicated his final work, The Conspirators, to the city of Geneva, Switzerland. Writer and essayist J.M. Coetzee said of him, He, more than anyone, renovated the language of fiction, and this opened the way to a remarkable generation of Spanish-American novelists. Uh, he was also... Uh, an activist against communism, against fascism, against various uh, fa uh, dictators such as um, the Argentinian president uh, Juan Perón, who was a fascist, I believe. Or maybe just, yeah, I think a fascist. Yeah. yeah, it became transforming Argentina into a one-party state with the assistance of his wife Evita. Almost immediately, the spoil system was the rule of the day. Yeah, he was a populist. Um, Yeah. But the Library of Babel is an interesting work and I'll have to get to that on another occasion. I don't think I don't think I'll do that today. But let's see, what else do I do? Um Oh here's a good history meme I found. Uh USSR falls apart. Gorbachev, pizza time. <laughs> In case you haven't seen that, um, here, here.
Это Горбачев. Горбачев. Это из-за него у нас в экономике бардак. Но благодаря ему у нас новые возможности. Это из-за него у нас политическая... It's Gorbachev. It is Gorbachev because of him. We have economic confusion. Because of him, we have opportunity. Because of him, we have political instability. Because of him, we have freedom. Complete chaos, hope, political instability. Because of him, we have many things. Like Pizza Hut. Hail to Gorbachev! Hail to Gorbachev! Hail to Gorbachev! Good friends, great pizza. Gotta love that. <laughs> the man with the birthmark of Southeast Asia. <laughs> there it is. It's quite incredible, actually. It's funny. Reminds me of a old 1960s Mad Magazine joke where uh, uh, they showed a they showed the famous photo of uh, Lyndon B. Johnson lifting up his shirt to point to where he had his I think it was I think it was where he was getting his appendix out. He was pointing to it and. Uh, they had replaced the photo of his stomach with a photo of, with a map of of Viet of v Vietnam and and the so southeastern Asian countries. He's pointing right right to about where they're invading. <laughs> Pretty irreverent. Apparently, another. Uh, in other news, apparently a study shows that vegans are 43% more likely to suffer broken bones than mediators. Oxford study finds. I think I know the reason for that, though. You see, a vegan, uh, a PETA supporter, and a crossfitter walking to a bar. How do you know? Because they told you within five minutes of getting there. Or, no, 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 I got the joke wrong. A pita and an atheist, a vegan and an atheist and a crossfitter walking to a bar. How do you know? Because they told you within five minutes of getting there. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true. Some people just can't help but tell you. <laughs> and then you're just like, I don't care, man. I don't care. Don't tell me these things. Okay. I don't... I don't... Stop. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> yeah. Um but what else is up? Uh, let's see. What's on the agenda for today? Oh, but anyway, my reason was uh they get beat up because they kept telling people what they were. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, China built a horizontal skyscraper. The thing that nobody asked for, but, and we didn't really even want. Like, what's the point? Why do we need a horizontal skyscraper? Like, they just, they just built four buildings. It looks like they're, they have a fifth one that's almost high enough. Um, so they can extend it out even longer. But they just built, like, the four buildings all next to each other. And then just laid another one on top of them. <laughs> it was really kind of just a dumb idea. <laughs> Like why? Why do we need this? It doesn't look. It doesn't even look that great. That great. It's just. It looks like you built one too many buildings and you didn't know where to put it, so you just set it on top of the others. Until you can clear room for it. <laughs> and I know this. I know this. This isn't the truth, but the way. It, looks if you don't look too closely it looks like they didn't even try to attach to the other buildings very very well and so this round horizontal building could just rolled off of course if you look closer you can see that it's being held in place but if you kind of hold your head back a little bit <laughs> jeez What else? Come on. What about an idea which is called Lamarckian evolution? Now, you've all heard of evolution. You all understand it, okay? Lamarckism or Lamarckian inheritance, also known as Neo-Lamarckism, is the notion that an organism can pass on its offspring to its offspring physical characteristics that the parent organism acquired through use or disuse during its lifetime. It is also called the inheritance of acquired characteristics or soft inheritance. Now, of course, we all realize that this is a outdated theory, but it's interesting to read about. <laughs> Because it's funny. Uh, so basically, an example that a Lamarckian would say is the giraffe 
has a long neck because if you go back long enough, there were some giraffes that ended up extending their neck longer. And that, and that, uh, the use of that trait allowed for that to be passed on to the next individual and eventually the neck got longer and then so you know you can see how it was a step towards uh, a more uh, a more sound theory of evolution but obviously it's kind of kind of ridiculous like you can't you can't pass on those kinds of traits I mean, there's epigenetics, but that's not... Uh, epigenetics is not the, the same thing as that. Epigenetics is more um, various traits that can be turned on or off. based on various, um, usually, usually environmental causes. It could be hormonal or whatever. That cause certain switches to be turned on or off. I think some of that might be, I think some of that is heritable. But yeah, that's an interesting thing to read about sometimes. <laughs> I, like re I like reading stuff that nobody believes anymore. Well, maybe some people do. Maybe some people. Yes, sir. What else? Um... Do I want to do that? Do I want to do that? I suppose... No, actually first, I'm gonna share a limerick with you. There is one based on a true story, and I can explain after I, re I recite it. There once was a place called The View, whose sprouts were incredibly ew. Then one day they were not, and the whole place was hot, and they were back to tasting like glue. So in the, in the dining hall, The View, uh, the Brussels sprouts are not cooked very well, or they're, they're cooked they just don't taste as good as other Brussels sprouts sh as they should. But then one day, they were cooked properly. They tasted good. And everybody remembers that. For some reason, everybody knows that day. I don't think I was there that day. I wish I was. And then all of a sudden, they're just back to the way they were. Which reminds me of something.
hold on a moment. of the smiles we left behind smiles we gave to one another for the way we Oh, that Barbara. She has a voice like butter.
That was the way we were. Barbara Streisand singing it. Yeah. Cause I'm a cool cat dog. That's right. I'm a cool cat. <laughs> I hope you realize why I played that. <laughs> I suppose now would be a good time to read a, uh, another poem that I wrote. The other one, I, the other one was kind of co-written a little bit, but this other poem I wrote was all me. Uh, it doesn't have a name yet, but the poem goes. It's, it it is also written off a true story. What says the raven one cold winter morn when I approached him a day in November? I was eating my bread and chewing my seed when a giant approached, I remember. I got him to follow and I drew him in and soon from my hand he would feed. But along hiked a fellow dressed all in yellow and away flew the raven with speed. Away flew the raven to a near barren tree us now in the passerby's wake, and a perched in an oak, and laughing quite loud. I've played the old schmuck for God's sake. Still watching the raven as he hopped tree to tree, he was free and as light as the air. And as soon as he left, I felt in my breast, I'll get him the next time he's there. What do you think that means? I'll give you a minute. And you can rewind a little bit if you want to hear it again. Um, just a few more seconds. So what I was doing is I was getting a, this raven to approach me. It might have been a crow, actually. I think it was a raven, though. And, uh, you know, throwing a, throwing a few little crumbs out, and he's getting kind of close, and then a guy was walking by, and he walked between us, and the, and the bird flew off to another tree. But I, I could have gotten him pretty close, for sure. What was I trying to say with this? I was saying a few things actually. Constantly trying to interfere with and tame nature. My futile attempts to do so. Yet it was still a raven and he still flew away when he was when he saw the potential threat of this other man coming in. Like he was he was interested in interacting as long as there was something in it for him, but if there was a perceived threat He'll fly away. The other thing, uh, we need to be happy with the little moments that we have received. That kind of goes back to Instantes uh, by Borges. Uh, because as you see, uh, I was having a wonderful moment with this bird. And even though I had this moment, even after he flew away, I was like, I'll get him next time. What I should have just been happy with, what I had.
kind of ties into the next point of sometimes the anticipation of an event uh, during the during the immediate build-up to it is better than the event itself, especially if that event never comes, and it's definitely better than that event because the event is non-existent. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I do believe that that is going to be the end of this episode today. Uh, follow me on my new social media account, Instagram, at Lord Fleming Sings. That's, that's where you listen to me playing covers and originals and stuff in video format. Pretty cool. Trying to get, trying to build that one up even. And we'll see how that goes. It's pretty fun to run, I must say. Yeah. So. It's been lit, fam. Namaste. Give me a big kiss. <laughs>